chapter 24, the verses 50 to 53. Then he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever noticed it? Luke who wrote his gospel account specifically for Gentiles, remember. He addresses it to Theophilus, a Gentile. Luke refers time and again to the temple and to the temple ministry. Think of it. Luke begins chapter 1 with Zechariah, who was ministering in the temple. And he ends his gospel by telling us that the disciples were continually in the temple blessing God. Moreover, Luke alone tells us of the presentation of Jesus in the temple. He alone tells us of Simeon and Anna in the temple. And so there are many passages, both in the gospel of Luke and in the Acts of the Apostles, written by Luke, where specific mention is made of the temple. And that, remember, in a gospel that was written specifically with Gentile readers in mind, people who knew little or nothing about the temple in Jerusalem or about the ministry performed therein. Then you've got to ask, why? Why this emphasis on the temple? I'm going to try to answer that question as I speak on ascension, its meaning for the temple ministry. I said a moment ago that the setting of the first chapter of Luke is the temple. Remember, we are told in the first chapter of this gospel about a priest, Zechariah, who is performing his task in the temple. You see, it was Zechariah's turn to burn the incense. And when he was finished doing that, it was his wonderful privilege to bless the people who were expectantly waiting outside. That's chapter 1. Then in the last chapter, in the very last verse of his gospel, Luke talks again about the temple where the disciples were continually together, he says, blessing God. But, but that's not all. That's not all. See, in the last chapter of this gospel account, Luke tells us also about another priest who performed his task, a holy task it was. Oh yes, it's easy to just read over those words, but Luke tells us very specifically that Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them. 
It's important that we pay careful attention to that. Jesus lifted up his hands, it says. And that, as you may know, that was the gesture of a priest, of a priest performing his official ministry, his official task in the temple. As a matter of fact, the word used here by Luke is a word that is used in the Bible to refer specifically to that act of the priest, which he always performed in the temple court. And see, not only did Christ make the gesture of a priest, he also performed the task of a priest. He blessed them, it says. When you then compare the first priest mentioned in Luke's gospel, Zechariah and his work, with the last priest mentioned, Jesus the Christ and his work, see, then you get a glimpse of the blessing of Christ's ascension. And then you will rejoice with the disciples because our Lord ascended. There are three things we should note here as follows. The two persons fulfilling the priestly ministry, the place where they fulfilled it, and the time when they fulfilled it. First of all, then, we want to pay attention to the two persons fulfilling the priestly office. As we just heard, in the first chapter of Luke's Gospel account, it is Zechariah who fulfills the priestly office. And you may have noticed it before, Luke says wonderful things about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, he says, and they walked blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Amazing, right? Luke also explains in detail just how it is that it was Zechariah who happened to be in the temple performing the priestly duties at that time. He was of the division of Abijah, says Luke, which means that he was a direct descendant of Aaron, as was true also of his wife Elizabeth. I see, that is the only reason why Zechariah was permitted to do the work of a priest in the temple. Oh yes, it was a great privilege to be a priest in Israel, to be permitted to stand between God and his people, to be allowed to approach the Lord on behalf of the people. But, but that privilege was granted only to those who were directly descended from Aaron. And they, they only did so when it was their turn. However, in Luke 24, it is Jesus who lifts up his hands and blesses. And as you know, Jesus was surely not a descendant of Aaron. Jesus did not belong to one of the divisions of the priests who were permitted to serve in the temple. And Jesus did not wait his turn for the privilege of entering the temple to perform his task. 
Jesus simply lifted up his hands and blessed them. When you think about that for just a moment, you suddenly see what it is Luke wants us to understand. See, on this day, the day of Christ's ascension, on this day, God broke the tie that bound the priestly office to priestly blood. No longer would the office belong to a privileged few. And no longer would it be, um, would it be a question of blood lines. Oh yes, as you may know, it had happened before this that men had laid claim to the priestly office who were not of priestly descent. Think of King Saul and of King Uzziah. And they had been severely punished by the Lord. Saul lost the kingship and Uzziah was struck with leprosy. But in Luke 24, it is King Jesus about to ascend to heaven, about to be crowned the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. It is King Jesus who performed the official task of a priest. And he was not punished. Oh, we know it very well. Jesus was surely not of the house of Aaron. Nevertheless, it is he who pronounced the blessing of the Lord that day. That tells us that from that day forward, the wall of separation, the wall that for centuries had separated the descendants of Levi from the rest of the Lord's covenant people, that wall was removed. From that day on, all who belong to the Lord share in his anointing. That is true of us today. Think of it. The man Zechariah was a full-blooded priest. And you can be sure he had carefully chosen his wife. She too had to be a woman of priestly descent. If she were not, by then their sons could never ever serve as priests. But about the great sorrow of their life was that they had no sons. They had no children. Oh yes, Zechariah had taken every precaution so that a son born to him and his wife might qualify to serve as a priest before the Lord. But, but they were unable to have children at all. Right there, you see the poverty of Aaron's priesthood. It was dependent on a bloodline, a bloodline that could eventually die out. It simply had no assurance of continuity. After all, where there are no descendants, 
that the priestly office is no more. But now we see Jesus. He ascended to heaven, having raised his hands in blessing upon his disciples. And he would, a few days thereafter, pour out his spirit upon them. I ask, he will not anoint them and us to be priests unto the Lord. Now the continuity of the priestly office is certain. For now the office of priest is given to all who are born of the Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ, says Peter, is a royal priesthood, a holy nation. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. <coughs> so I come now to the second point, which asks that we pay attention to the place where these priests fulfilled their office. Zechariah the priest, as you know, had to come to Jerusalem. Yes, he had to perform his official task in the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, he had to fulfill his holy office in a holy place on holy ground. There was, you see, not only a distinction between holy and common people, there was also a distinction between holy and common ground. A priest like Zechariah could perform his task only in Jerusalem. He could pronounce the blessing only in the temple. And so it came about that on a certain day, Zechariah stood in the holy place while the people were waiting outside. Remember now, Zechariah had holy blood. That explains why he was privileged to enter the holy place. But the people waiting outside did not have holy blood. That's why their place was outside of the temple. Outside of the holy place. The people would have to wait outside until the priest would come out to them with the blessing of the Lord for them. But in Luke 24, Jesus did not lead his people, his disciples, to a holy place at all. He did not take them to the temple. Instead, he led them in the direction of Bethany. There, on that profane ground, that is, on that unsanctified ground, there he pronounced the blessing of the Lord upon them. But how could Jesus do such a thing, performing such a holy act at such a profane place? What is Jesus saying to us by this action? 
Yes. Not only is there no longer any distinction between sanctified and unsanctified blood, because the blood of every child of God is holy to the Lord. Remember that that's true of you. But there's also no longer any distinction between holy and profane ground, because the whole earth is now holy unto the Lord. The temple in Jerusalem was, it is, no longer the holy place. As a matter of fact, the temple is no more. Ever since his ascension, Christ claims the whole earth as the temple of the Lord. Think of it. Somewhere in the vicinity of Bethany, Christ pronounced the blessing, the priestly benediction upon his disciples. Suddenly, Bethany also was temple of the Lord. Oh, what a marvelous high priest we have. No longer need we be concerned about blood descent. As a matter of fact, it makes no difference what your nationality is or your standing in the community. For Christ ascended on high in order that he might pour his spirit through whom he calls and qualifies all his children, red and yellow, black and white, for holy service to the Lord. That is why, you see, yes, that is why it is not true that the work of the ministry alone is holy to the Lord. Oh yes, the work of ministry is different. It is unique. It has a special focus to equip the saints for the work of ministry, writes Paul in Ephesians. But, but that work is not more holy than the work of the businessman or the farmer or the factory worker or the mother in the home or the student in school. Remember well, the service of every child of God is holy service. Why? Well, because every child of God has been anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now, there is no longer a holy office that is bound to a holy place, as it had been throughout the Old Testament age of the church. Oh, yes, the church is a holy place, but so is every other place, your home and your workshop your bedroom, and your entertainment hall. For the Lord claims every parcel of ground as holy to the Lord. The prophet Zechariah, remember, had seen it in a vision. The day would come, he said, that even the bells on the horses would have inscribed on them, Holy to the Lord. And see, 
the ascension of Christ marked a huge step forward to achieving that goal. Then and so it becomes clear by Luke writing to the Gentile Theophilus writes as he does. See, Luke is saying to Theophilus that he also, though of Gentile blood and living far away from Jerusalem, yes, he also is called to serve the Lord as priest. It doesn't matter he has not, that he has not descended from Aaron. It doesn't matter that he would possibly never so much as enter the temple in Jerusalem. In his own city and in his own occupation, he is called to be a priest. His work, it is to be holy to the Lord. And see, that is true of each one of us. We all share in Christ's anointing. That's what it means to be a Christian. So we confess with Lord's Day 12. And so I come to the third point. The time when the two priests fulfilled their office. The priest Zechariah was scheduled to pronounce a blessing after he had finished burning the incense. Think of it. He would do that at a fixed time of that day. And again the next day, as he had done also the day before. Always, always it was done at the same time of day. When Zechariah was then a bit late one day, why then the whole multitude was amazed and disturbed and became restless. Such a thing never happened, ought not ever to happen. It was the time for the blessing to be pronounced. Where was the priest appointed for the task? You see, the pronouncement of the blessing was bound to a certain hour of the day, as indeed was every other function of the priest. Every day, the same blessing was pronounced at the same time. The priest would pronounce the words recorded in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. You've heard them many times, I'm sure. And then, after he had pronounced that blessing, the priest would withdraw into the temple and the people would go home. But, but on the day of Christ's ascension, that also is different. It was not at all the scheduled hour of blessing. Christ sovereignly chose his own time, and so he broke the tie also that had bound the work of the priest to a specific hour of the day. Now every hour of every day is holy to the Lord. 
To be sure, we are not told which words of blessing Christ then spoke, possibly those reported in the book of Numbers. But we are told something else, a remarkable thing. Luke tells us that while he blessed them, he was parted from them. Did you hear? While he blessed them, he parted from them. The priests of old, remember, departed, that is, they left, they disappeared into the temple after they had finished pronouncing the blessing. But Jesus left, that is, he parted from them while he blessed them. As he departed, yes, as he ascended to heaven, his hands were stretched out in blessing over them. That tells us that his blessing would abide with them, with us, always. Yes, it will remain with his people all the days of their, of our life. Before this it was, today a blessing, and tomorrow again. But now, and now his blessing continues, it abides. We don't have to wait for a special time of day, neither will the blessing ever pass from us. You may see Christ's hands stretch out in blessing upon you all the time. If you believe the ascension of our Lord, well, then you may know also that his blessing rests upon you every hour of every day. Oh, yes, in the temple of old, things were different. God, remember, had chosen Zion. This, he said, yeah, this is my resting place forever. Here in the temple, here I will dwell, for I have desired it. It was in the temple that the Lord would then give his promised blessing. Yes, he said it in so many words. I, the Lord, will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. Well now, it was the priest who could pronounce, yes, it was the priest who could impart that blessing, the blessing of bread, the blessing of salvation, that is, the blessing of well-being and joy. To be sure, blessings for life on this earth they were, and surely that was great. Yes, it was wonderful, but about Christ parted from them and was carried up into heaven while he blessed them. Oh yes, he had blessed them also while still on this earth. But as he was ascending, his hand was still raised in blessing upon them. So he entered the inner place behind the curtain and continued to bless them and us from heaven also, with every spiritual blessing for their, for our life and task 
here on this earth. Oh yes. When you understand that, then you see it. Christ's ascension, it was indeed the fulfillment of the temple ministry. The blessing of the Lord, which had always been part and parcel of the temple ministry, remember, is now cut loose from holy blood, from a holy place, and from holy moments. And it is no longer of short duration or of limited content. The man, Christ Jesus, our ascended Lord, blesses us today. He is the high priest of our confession. He blesses us everywhere and in every place, for every place is holy to the Lord. There's not a power on this earth great enough or strong enough that can withhold his blessing from us. No matter what problems we face, no matter what burdens we are called to bear, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus, who blesses us from heaven. Then you see it. It is, it is no wonder that, all, that at all that the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. <coughs> oh yes, that sounds a bit strange, right? After all, Jesus had just left them. And we know that when he first mentioned that he would leave them, they were very sad. As a matter of fact, they sought desperately to dissuade him from doing so. But now, now having seen his priestly glory in his parting from them, now having understood what his act of blessing them meant, now they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. To be sure, it had been great and wonderful that he had walked with his disciples from place to place and healed the sick and cast out demons and raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. But this, oh, this is greater by far. Jesus restores us. Yes, he restores his people to their calling of the beginning. He places us, his people, in office again. Yes, this is greater. The Savior redeems the world and reclaims it as his temple, as the temple of the Lord, through his spirit-filled people. Oh yes, we must remember well, Christ, soon after his ascension, opened the gates of heaven and poured forth blessings upon his church, blessings that shall never cease. That is salvation. Think of it. That is not simply a sick person healed or a blind person seeing or a lame one walking again or 5,000 people fed. To be sure, all of that was great. But this, this is more, much more. Man, the Lord's people, we 
are restored to office. We, we are again the priests of God. We are called to announce the salvation of the Lord in a sin-darkened world. In order that the whole creation may again be the temple of the Lord. Where everything proclaims the holiness of the Lord. See that, that is salvation. Rejoice therefore and worship your ascended Lord. See his hands stretched in blessing upon you. Oh yes, there is much ungodliness in the world. And wickedness is ever increasing. Just listen to the news. But there are also many priests. Priests of God. Here and everywhere. They are the call of the Lord. Called unto holy service and it is a fact the powers unto restoration which are in Christ Jesus are greater than the powers of the evil one by far for Christ we confess Christ our Lord has ascended on high in might to reign captivity he leads a captive in his train. Therefore, we rejoice in Christ, our Savior and our Lord, now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Amen.